Hey guys, welcome back to the AI train with Leanne and Tim. Today, we thought we'd talk a little bit about the graphic side of AI. We, we often talk about the content and uh, focus a lot on, you know, ChatGPT, OpenAI, or, or definitely recently. And we thought we'd look a little bit more into the visual side of things because there's a few different players on the scene. Uh, I haven't played too much with all of them. Tim's done a little bit more, but it's, it's obviously something key for a lot of us for marketing purposes and you know just knowing the right ways to use it to get the best possible results is key so we thought we'd have a little chat and and go through it all uh so yeah tim what should we kick off with <laughs> yeah for sure so like i suppose really we probably should look at the three cornerstones of ai image generation right now and how you can uh you know use those things in your own daily practices so the, the three big ones though of course we've already talked about dali with chat gpt uh, in a previous episode it was our second or third episode um and where you can just type a prompt in and off you go you get a a nice image uh with a you know, pretty low bar really and you can keep talking to it to be able to get it to, to re refine that image of course um you've also got mid journey and you've probably heard about that if you've been floating around the web um, and looking at different, uh, you know, AI image generation sort of tools before. And there's also a third, which has sort of risen itself out, um, called Stable Diffusion. And Stable Diffusion is much like Midjourney in the respect that it's a model rather than um, just a, a place where you can go and, and do stuff. And to access those two different uh, pieces of, of technology can be, um, I suppose, more cumbersome than what it is to access DALI 3 right now. So Midjourney requires you either to get a Discord account and sign up and pay for it through a, a special Discord sort of setup, um, which if you're not familiar with Discord, it's a gaming platform or I should, should, should say it's a, um, it's a gaming chat platform uh, that you can you know, chat to your friends while you're playing video games. But for some reason, they've decided to launch the tools sort of exclusively through that platform. But then there are also are implementations of Midjourney, which we'll chat about, um, you know, a bit more accessible on your mobile phone and those kind of things as well. And then Stable Diffusion is very similar, whereas you've, you've either got to download a piece of software to be able to use it, or there are some places online you can also use it. But, um, you know, it's it's more of that open source sort of technology compared to the, the other two. Yeah, I haven't even heard of it until you mentioned it the other day to me. So is that is it kind of an underground one that only, yeah, certain like illustrators or something use? Because it hadn't even... Got my radar. Stable Diffusion kind of came about, um, I suppose, in response to Midjourney because Midjourney is a, a costed product, whereas Stable Diffusion is not. So it's it's a it's a different foundation of people doing some different stuff, um, both with a very similar goal, though, obviously, to be able to create um, image generation tools and train up image, these image tools uh, to be the best as they possibly can. Uh, but at the moment, um, you know, it, they're kind of neck and neck. Um, Midjourney definitely, when you look at the releases of it, it's doing some amazing things. Um, and if you talk about like ranking them somehow, Midjourney probably is the 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 king of this sort of stuff, um, only because they've been doing some amazing work over there, getting some really spectacular image generation going with it. And if you type in like you know just Midjourney uh, and and look at some images on Google Images, you'll see immediately the kind of things I'm talking about. Um, Stable Diffusion, same sort of thing though. Like it's also being able to create some amazing stuff out there. And then Dali's, I suppose, it's more in that kind of compatible uh nature it's still producing some great work like we've we've already talked about it as i said in that other episode about sort of the things we were creating like podcast artwork and other things um but yeah really uh stable diffusion sort of in the middle and then mid journeys like the, the the top flight of these tools and then you know you get canva in the background there somewhere as well also using uh 
image generation techniques. I wouldn't say tools because they're not they're not actually directly plugged into uh, like Dali or Midjourney or anything. Yeah, so that's, let's talk about a bit about that because I was so excited. I did, uh, you know, uh, Canva in LinkedIn. There was all these little teaser videos and things, you know, uh, launch date of this magic studio or whatever it was, you know, coming soon. And and I, like a nerd, I, cause I love Canva. It's like been my daily thing for many years. I, like a nerd, put in my calendar the launch date going, cool, I'll get to play with this. And then I kind of went into it and I was a little bit lost on how to use it and what actually was and the benefits of it. And, uh, yeah, and so I thought, yeah, it'd be great if we actually talked through that, how it can be used. It's, you know, the pros and cons and all that kind of stuff. So do you want to just kick off, Tim, like, uh, you know, a bit of a, if we were to start with it, where you go. And so it's only for the pro account too, isn't it? Or is it also for the free one? I'm pretty sure Magic Design is now available for all Canva free accounts as well. Something for us to check up on. Like we can certainly do that. Yeah, the episode. Let's check it. Um, yep. yeah, for sure. So um, basically, though, what what Canva launched about May ish. I think they were teasing it in February, but it sort of it was more by May that it all came out. Um, they they launched this thing called Magic Design, and what Magic Design really is is a way for you to be able to just in a few words describe what you're looking for. It might be a flyer for a band. It could be a book cover for your novel that you're trying to produce. It could be a presentation about future technology. You know, there's a whole heap of different different, uh, templates we already know that Canva does. And what they've done is just kind of plugged an AI generation tool into their templating system, which sounds really great. And it can be kind of compelling to use. So, you know, you log into Canva, immediately presented with the words that say what will you design today and the big search box at the top immediately like instantly uses the the magic right uh, sorry the magic design tool set so you can just type in you know five words like i can just type it in right now and say like you know make a flyer for a book launch hit enter and off it goes and you'll find that it gives you a heap of templates so i've just seen that for this flyer stuff it's got uh 211,000 templates but it's also yeah. designed, it's also designed me like um you know 20ish or probably probably 10 um kind of new flyers that i could use that it's tried to pre preempt the content preempt the ideas that it, i would want um you know i haven't given it a book title so maybe if i gave it a book title um, let me say called uh, the art of AI. Here we go. Let's see if it'll produce me a, a template with that. And any second now. Can you give it a long prompt, or it it's only really basic? Because it I don't know. It says use five plus words to describe your design. I mean, five plus can that be a hundred? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, I wouldn't go to a hundred, but you could certainly say like you know, like in this case, I've said make a flyer for a book called the art of AI, and it's now. Um, given me some flyers uh, that look quite uh, compelling around the art of AI. And it's actually given, like the very first one, it's actually used the title that I wanted it. Maybe I should say a book cover uh, rather than or a cover for a book. What it also does in the background is while you're going, hey, I'd like this sort of you know front page to look like this. It's also trying to preempt, de- depending on the design you're using, the type of content you're going to want in there too. And this is really important for things like presentations. So if you wanted to produce a presentation on ChatGPT, let's just pick that out of the air for some reason on an AI podcast. And Canva would try to build the presentation out of that content. It would go, oh, okay, well, what do I know about ChatGPT? And then it's going to use its own AI engine in the background, which ironically is ChatGPT, um, to be able to, to try and create multiple slides, not just the one slide that's got your nice cover and design in there as well, but actually multiple slides with 
you know, dot points and, and compelling graphics and things all sort of themed together. So as a starting point, again, like get, to get off that front page to, to jump out of stress that you get when you're just sort of staring there looking at the can in, in a Canva design. It's actually a really nice way to be able to, to start a presentation off and kind of just get the ball rolling without you having to try and stress about exactly what your theme will look like or your design or, or you know, maybe some of the content or how you'll present that content. It tries to do that sort of stuff for you. Yeah, because like when we're looking before things like a little uh, timeline and things like that, you may not have otherwise thought about, uh, I would definitely still double check the data and everything like that. And yeah, so it had some nice little, so, you know, just so your slides don't always look the same and something I learned years ago, which a lot of people, you know, still don't do, is about keeping it to minimal words for a slide. Uh, I've still seen massive chunks of content and then, you know, the presenters trying to talk it through while everyone's trying to read it and also write notes and it's just overwhelm. So obviously this also then gives you the a nice layout with the information that's easy to consume from the viewer that's not going to be too chunky and uh, maybe has some infographics or whatever it would be. Um, I, I guess, look, my my fear is, okay, you said it's a starting point and this is obviously, you know, a common theme that we talk about it with AI. It's to make sure it is a starting point. I it, you know, if you have been asked to present on something, for example, on a topic you have no idea about, I wouldn't just go, oh, cool, look, you know, Canva magic design can just create me that presentation. It looks good. It sounds all right. I'll just run with it. Um, I would still, especially if it's given statistics and facts and figures, just double check that, which, you know, everyone should do the due diligence anyway. And then, you know, definitely then, make changes to it based on your own expertise so add to it but not um you know botch it up <laughs> yeah absolutely i mean it's, it's a starting point it's not there to try and take away from your creativity it's just all or from your information you're trying to present but it'll give you ways to be able to present it and just a, a, a suppose more comfortable uh space to be able to do that in which is you know amicable in some cases but then like you said there is always that edge of people who could just go oh i'm just going to do a presentation for my high school class on ai and then go hey do me a presentation on that and it'll just come out with you know whatever but that said canva is also not the only tool to be able to produce ai generated presentations there are others out there if you just type that into google ai presentation tool you will find an absolute massive chunk of them as well yeah, I like to look, I personally, with my presentations, especially like webinars, uh, like to give extra value as well and educational t tips and, you know, practical stuff. So I would also check for that. Is it all just very surface level? Um, what's the purpose of your presentation? Like, yeah, I haven't played around with it enough to see how much you could put into the prompt. If you can then say the angle, you know, the call to action is this, I would like them to take away this and this. Uh, to really, you know, just go that little extra bit further with the personalization. And also, like, can you say how long the presentation is? And therefore, we'll give you that many slides to match that that typical length and, and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, like I said, I haven't explored it much. If any listeners out there have, would love to hear your thoughts. Um, but that's the opposite to talk presentations. It can do, like we are saying before, flyers. And uh, you are saying there was something to do with blog posts and all that. Do you, do you want to talk about that other section in Canva? Yeah, so the other side of, of generation, I suppose, that Canva has in it now is they've, they've created this thing called Canva Docs. And it is really, um, you know, it's a Google Docs kind of alternate 
product in that kind of sense. Um, you get a blank page. You can you can write content into it. You can hit publish. You know, you can you can take that content and move it from your doc into your designs and from your designs into your doc and you know lay in other designs you've already produced. So from a uh, like an, an out, a, a layout kind of tool. It's kind of nice in that sort of sense. It sort of gets you into that desktop publishing space. But um, it's also AI imbued where you can have a thing called Magic Write and Magic Write allows you to be able to say, I'd like you to write me, you know, 300 words on a thing and it'll try and do that. Is it any is, is, is it as good as GPT? No. Is it as good as, you know, anything else that's out there? Like Claude? No. Um, does it get it wrong sometimes? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So it's not... I wouldn't use Canvas doc to, uh, to actually generate like AI content. It might be a good thing for like just a brainstormer, um, like a paragraph or brainstorm up a, a title or something. But I suppose the most compelling part of that is that they've actually gone after like the thing that WordTune does. So WordTune is another AI that is more centered around rewriting sentences and rewriting paragraphs. So inside of the, the Canvas docs tool, you can also like highlight a paragraph and say, make it more fun, make it more professional, you know, sprinkle some fairy dust on it. Literally, it says that. And I'm thinking that's just saying like, you know, make this more compelling is probably what it's trying to do. Um, and, you know, you can try and change the tone around a little bit, um, but it isn't as robust as if you just did it in ChatGPT, you know, and that kind of thing, or especially ChatGPT GPT-4. I think this might be using 3.5 as far as I can tell. Yeah, so with the documents then, like let's say going back to the presentations, would that be automatically using the write function as well? It kind of would overlap, right? Uh, so it'd be the same engine that would be generating content yeah. in for both. Yeah. So as always, check the facts, check the details, you know, don't just produce a, a 10 slide presentation and just go nuts with it and try to present to that because you'll get probably called out pretty quickly that it's just crap. But um you know, it, it's it's like it's like, like anything with AI. You should always just double check to make sure that it's not infringing copyright, that it hasn't got information that's wrong in there, that it's got um, you know the actual stuff that you want to present or you want to talk about, not just whatever it's written in detail. Yeah. <laughs> but that's 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 kind of just like what Canvas done with with implementing GPT into their own tools. That's not really image generation though. And while you can of course create images with it mm. um, by putting in some text and stuff, it's not exactly what we're here for which is sort of leads me on to um probably two other products really one of them is yeah. called diffusion b now diffusion b is only one of, of many different tools that are out there that have actually uh in, enabled stable diffusion but for me on a mac it's the easiest one to be able to grab a hold of and start playing with stable diffusion it works totally locally so you don't have to wait for things in the cloud to happen you just download it for your mac it is about an eight or ten gig download for the model though it does take a bit of time to come down but from there you can then start doing your standard sort of text to image kind of um processes and things and it's and they're, they're always updating the model in the background so you know it, it is getting better and better over time um with my testing of it i did a few months ago um you know, it was pretty limited to what it can do now i've seen some stuff coming out of stable diffusion and diffusion b in the last couple of weeks and it can produce some you know, really, really nice images, much in the same way as you would with Dali or Midjourney. Just type in a prompt and say, hey, this is my thing I'd like. Um, one of the ben other benefits with it is it also has a thing called a negative prompt though. So you can say, uh, you know, I'd like you to generate a giant bear with antlers um, in an art style, you know, like this. Um, but then in the negative prompt, you can say, like basically, Write, write a few words of things you don't want. So you don't say, I don't want and present it like that. You just say, you know, I don't want um, 
say you didn't want I don't know the bear to be black or something like that or brown or green or or whatever it seems to be doing in those image generations you could you can call something out um, not in a forest or you could say no forest and it wouldn't it would try and use that as a negative prompt to be able to guide the tool and it has a few other bells and whistles too where you can you know some sliders where you can change the parameters how much it hallucinates how much it won't and how much it's closer to your prompt again far too much to go into in a, in a single podcast episode but um like diffusion b is a really good uh, little app to be able to have a play with uh stable diffusion I, I believe there are many many other stable diffusion things out there for for other platforms like windows and linux um but yeah definitely if you're looking to be able to dip your toe into sort of more local image generation um then Stable Diffusion is great, um, and I think Diffusion B is a great, great place to start if you've got a Mac. First of all, it's only for Mac users. Is that what you're saying? So, diff- so the Diffusion B application is Stable yeah. Diffusion is is available for all sorts of platforms, though. Okay, so it's a particular a particular industry that would benefit more from using that tool versus Dali or anything else? Not particularly. There's a bunch of different uh, reasons to use all sorts of, all, sorts, all sorts of different tool sets in the AI. Uh, you know pantheon yeah. generally but uh yeah. stable diffusion is it's just it's just it's the technology so there are just lots of different implementations of that sort of thing too so diffusion b is just one implementation of, of stable diffusion it, like as i said mm. you can also just go online and say stable diffusion online and you'll probably come across a website called hugging face um, which hosts a whole heap of different uh ai general image generation models and just other other models for, for ai in, in general um, and you can have a play with it uh, for free right there. I think you get, um, you know, you can use it four or five times uh, on their platform for free um, hmm. and just see see what you can generate. So it is it is more about that large format generation. There's no particular like it'll generate stickers better than it'll, or, you know, vector graphics or something better than it'll do photorealistic stuff. Okay. It's it's, gotcha. it's what you'll ask it. It's the same sort of thing with everything, which is just what you ask it, which kind of leads us into mid-journey, I suppose, which is, as I said, like the the, the king at the moment of... Uh, AI image generation, but Dali is coming up pretty quickly to that as well. Midjourney is not this is a difficult to get into, but it is a Discord platform that you've got to get onto to be able to start using it and everything else. However, there is a way around that, and one of the things I bought into uh, at the start of the year is called PhotoLeap. Now, I've been a big mm-hmm. fan of PhotoLeap for many many years. I used to use their older tool on my iPhone uh, exclusively as for image editing, um, and it is still a great image editor. But what they've done in the last you know six or eight months is start to add mid journey generation to the background of uh, PhotoLeap, and it's it's really in the foreground now. As soon as you open up the app, you just it's, it smacks you right in the face. Their whole deal though is more about. Um, taking a photo or an image that you've already got and then processing it with, with Midjourney to, to create uh, something else. So for anyone who's an aficionado of, of AI image generation, often they call that in-painting, not out-painting. So out-painting is where you type a prompt in and you generate something new, whereas in-painting is where you'll take something from inside the frame and then use that as a part of the, the new image generation. Um, and I got to admit, like both Leanne, you and I, we've had uh, some amazing fun with with uh, photo yes. Leap. just just putting putting our own, ourselves through it, making ourselves look like you know the guys from Willy Wonka or uh, you know at Santa. I think I was going through some like look, looking at really ugly sweaters the other day. You know, my profile pic, if anyone pops onto my LinkedIn or whatever now, um, I've got uh, yeah, it was one of the images you created and sent over to me, Tim. Uh, yeah, I've got like this futuristic costume thing on like yeah like i'm out of i don't know 
30 years from now or something. And yeah, I made that my, my profile pics across the board, actually. And I've got a few nicknames like the Shultonator and <laughs> all this kind of stuff. I, I thought it was so cool. I mean, you can see like some of the detail, like, you know, my teeth have been changed slightly or, um, you know, some little quirks. It's not really a game changer, especially if you're using it as a small, you know, uh, pick or whatever. But it was amazing how it just adapted to, you know, your, your body, your posture. Uh, it, it does do some weird things. So if you're placed in a weird way, it may give a second head or something, which um, that happened like with my, my kids and we're playing around with it. Uh, but, yeah, the themes, you can change the costume itself or the background. And it's just very, very cool if you want to. Uh, I mean, I, I think it's it's mainly for selfies, right? It, it's mainly for uh, or a person, uh, and then adding a bit of character. Is that right? There's no other real functionality of it. I mean, like you can also, you know, ask it to generate whole new things. You can also, like, you know, draw um, a picture and then give the give it like the basic picture and say, hey, I want you to turn this into a picture of a spaceship, you know, and it'll do that. It'll it, it'll it still has the features of Mid Journey sitting in the background. It's just that it is more tuned, I suppose, and what they're actually asking it to do more is to create uh, you know images that are, are centric around a human or a human face. So that's why a lot of their tool set is built around changing your location, switching the clothes you're wearing, you know, putting a funny hat on you, um, giving you a different set of hair or or putting you a different scenario that you might not be. Like when uh, Halloween happened, as an example, they produced a whole heap of like gothic kind of set ones where it, it, I did one of myself and it looked like I was about to take up street magic because it just I had like uh, candles and spider webs and and I looked like Chris Angel um, had just well it actually looked like a, re- a reject from the school of Chris Angel really um, <laughs> who uh, well, who was who was just just learning how to be able to do his first card trick I did it around Halloween too uh, you know my um, youngest had dressed up as Wednesday uh, Adams you know and then I put the filter over her and it create a really awesome gothic background and i'm like oh that just nailed it uh so you know that kind of thing it's 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 very clever um and like i said i've already yeah used that as my profile pic and things and my eldest has now put it onto her device and she's been mucking around with it and sending pictures to her friends and stuff um yeah, absolutely yeah sorry go on one of the most impressive things i found with it recently is i took a photo of my cat and I'm like, okay, well, let's see what I can do to my cat because it's, this is more human-centric. But I started just changing background. So, like, I put the cat into an urban scene. I put him into, you know, a, a beautiful field of wildflowers. I put him into a desert. And I'm like, one of the things that really impressed me about it was that putting him into the desert, it actually had not just sort of pasted him into the desert, but it had generated the imagery around him enough to be able to have, like, his, like tracks in the sand under where his paws were. Yeah, it, it's, it, it was actually cool. modifying the environment that it was generating to be able to incorporate, you know, the foreground and background of the actual individual, which was a big leap for me. When I first saw it, I'm like, wow, you know, that's 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 kind of impressive. I wasn't aware that it could actually, or that it would take that into account. So it's, uh, the other thing that it does, probably more subtly, but it's it's actually a really uh, amazing thing that it does do, is that it does change the lighting on your profile pictures or the pictures you try to generate as well to be able to fit the scene you're with. So I did one where I think it was like a cherry blossoms in Kyoto, Japan, and because uh, it's sort of like a filtered pink light that comes through the cherry blossoms and everything, you know, it actually started to, to lay in lighting textures and things to me to be able to make it more consistent with the imagery. So it, we are getting to that kind of edge now where the, the, the realism sort of stuff's coming through in a, in a big way. And it's uh, it's making it's making fun images easier. But I think, you know, taking away that 
bar. It's, it's it's lowering the bar to be able to actually generate, you know, things that you would normally spend thousands of dollars doing. So in other words, going to Kyoto or, uh, you know, getting mm. a professional photographer to come in and do your headshots as much as you should still do that because the you know, professional photographers take amazing <laughs> things and give you better direction and a better experience than you sitting in your lounge room trying to take a thousand photos and run them through through uh, Photo Leap or Mid Journey. But, you know, mm. if, you, if you're in a pinch and you need a new Tinder dating profile or you needed a new photo for your website or something like that and it just wanted it to be a little bit more different, has a bit more more spark to it, you know, hey, you, yeah. could, you could do that. Oh, for your socials, uh, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah you know, because yeah. say it's, uh, like, yeah, say the Wonka that's all out at the moment, can't wait to see the movie, Um, you know, that would be maybe you then come up with this this fun messaging in your social media posts around that, you know, about your, uh, I don't know, sweetness and your, or you've got a great imagination or whatever. So it could even act as a springboard. Um, You know, it actually reminds me of last year there was a, a selfie studio which has since closed down and mustn't have been as popular as you may have thought. Um, And I went there on my birthday actually and, you know, all those little mini setups that you can get, you know, the, there was me again, a bathtub with, with a champagne glasses, was me holding money with the, the glass, you know, the money, uh, you know, dollar sign glasses and things like that or in a disco ballroom and you know then it kind of gave me all this content which I think I only used a quarter of it but it's the same sort of thing it can be you know I personally get annoyed with those social media posts that's just selfie after selfie and you're pretty much just the same and um I mean please don't keep doing selfies it should be about the viewer not just about you but it could just be a fun way to you know grab people's attention on social, especially when it's very saturated, you're relying on the algorithm for engagement, it could just make you stand out a little bit. So, it, it, you know, especially Instagram or, or, or LinkedIn, just to break up the mundane crap that's there. Uh, so, yeah, play around with that. It, it is, there was a fee to it. I can't remember how much it is, but it was just an annual one-off fee, wasn't it? Uh, so Photo Leap for Australia is about $50 for the subscription. I can, you know, I've got my phone right in front yeah. of me right now. I can I can double check that. Um, but I think it's about 50 bucks um, for you to be able to have a, a full year. One of the other side of things you do have to be careful with Photo Leap is there is another thing that they call, uh, I think it's called Photo Portraits or something. Hang on, I'll actually look at, I'll open the app. Here we go. Live opening the app on on, on the air. Watch out. Um, but you can, you can create like, oh, sorry, AI avatars. They actually cost extra. So inside of the tool, if you're just uploading a photo to it and changing it and making some a few different things, that's uh, that's different to AI avatars. AI avatars is another system in the background that they they actually launched first, and it's where you can upload twenty or thirty photos and then get or twenty photos and then say I'd like it in the style of this medieval knight and a futuristic spaceman and a you know all the, probably between fifteen and twenty different styles, and then it will then generate like a packet of images up to about two hundred images of all the different styles you've chosen um they do cost i think they're about seven or eight dollars i think a go or, or around about that sort of price um i've done a heap of them so i've probably spent far too much money on photo leap over the last year but um yeah. let's just have a look at the subscription level and it's just loading on my account uh so photo loop is it's 60 dollars a year is photo leap mm-hmm. um which i've actually about to pay for again as it turns out um i better yeah. look at possibly changing that um but photo Leap's good like i said it's it's one of those those great swiss army knife sort of applications it not just generates imagery you can edit your images in there they've, they've, they've launched a new animation side of things so if you're looking to be able to you know take a static image and make the smoke or the, the clouds in the background sort of move around as well and to be more compelling 
Um, it's it's really great. And I think, you know, if you're a, a person who sits on social media a lot, who generates a lot of content uh, for that kind of purpose, to, is always out and about taking photos of things. You know, it's a, it's a great little tool to have in your back pocket that's also infused with a lot of AI image generation and and you know, other tools that you can use to to really tweak it they also have another another application that's aside them it's called video leap um, and video leap essentially takes all of the same concepts but it applies it to video so you can actually use ai video generation as well also using the journey uh techniques in the background um i won't talk too broadly about it right now because i've only played with it for about two minutes and i don't i have not played with the pro account uh, because it is a fairly expensive platform but Again, if you were looking for a couple of tools to be able to do quick AI imagery on the fly, wherever you are, um, you know, Photo Leap and Video Leap, you could go a lot more wrong than, than going with those two tools. Oh, there you go. And we could probably do a whole episode more about video AI and all oh, that because that's for sure. haven't even gone into that. Yeah. Uh, but that's probably a wrap for us today. Anything else? We, I think we covered everything. I'm pretty sure we covered everything there. Uh, we've, we've talked about Canva. We've talked about, uh, you know, the different levels of, of image generation out there. If you're looking for Dali 3, of course, back in our back catalogue, we've got some stuff we played with that about a month ago. Um, and Stable Diffusion, of course, which is that kind of like open source edge in between the two. So just give it a go. Let us know if you do have a favourite or if we haven't mentioned one that you've been using, uh, you know, that was... Under, under, one of the underground ones or something like that or it's a newly released thing or, and you have exclusive access let us know we'd love to hear about it and how you're using the visual AI tools just connect with us on socials you can find us on LinkedIn and contacts are also um, on the podcast app of your choice keep on listening remember to subscribe leave a review and rating where you can and we'll see you on the train again next time see ya absolutely see you guys